everybody, welcome back to Today in Tech. I'm Juliette Beauchamp. I am here with Computer World Executive Editor Ken Mingus, as well as Macworld's Michael Simon. And today we're going to be talking about the new Magic Keyboard for the iPad. Is it worth it? Is it too expensive? All of your questions, pros and cons, we've got them here, so stick around. All right, guys, thank you so much both for calling. It really is, you know, it's just like old times. But uh, all right, Ken, you are pretty much the man of the hour here. You've got the new Magic Keyboard for the iPad. First reviews, let us know. Okay, well, first of all, yes, Magic, magic Keyboard. And uh, actually, the first word that comes to mind is actually not magic, but heavy. It's actually very heavy. So yeah, I, I when I saw this finally come out, um, I guess it was, couple months ago or that it was going to come out. I have long wanted to figure out whether the iPad Pro can be a uh, an enterprise device. I mean, you know, lots of point. It's the age old debate. Is it a tablet? Well, it is a tablet, clearly. But uh, is this uh, Apple's way of making it more of a laptop in the same way that Microsoft is making laptops more like tablets with the Surface? Um, so when I saw that the Magic Keyboard had come out, what I love about it most is the trackpad because I'm so used to using a trackpad on my own MacBook Pro and I've got a trackpad here with my iMac and it's my way of navigating. Now, you know, um, first impressions, it's really nice. I like the way the keyboard works. It feels more like the newer keyboards than the uh, the last generation, the, uh, the the ones that everybody hated. I like the fact that the keys light up. So if I'm like doing something in the dark, um, I like the hinge mechanism. It closes with a you know, and it, it feels again very very solid. Build quality is great. Um, I've only just started because I literally just got it a couple of days ago. Just started using it to to navigate around the screen on the iPad and it is, you know, it, it's a little different. This, there's some muscle memory that's gonna have to be both learned and unlearned because the way you navigate through apps and some of the shortcuts that you use is different. But for me, uh, the big thing I wanted to do was be able to figure out whether I can edit documents because as an editor, obviously, I'm always getting Microsoft Word docs and working in our um, system for editing stories and posting them online. And doing that with a finger on the screen was a nightmare. I mean, and it should be pretty obvious. If you're looking at something and trying to edit words and you're putting your finger in front of it, it gets in the way of cutting, pasting, moving. And with the Magic Keyboard and the trackpad, um, that's no longer an issue. So I'm really, I'm, what I wanna do is run an experiment probably next week, we'll see if it works, and basically not use my laptop and try to edit and do everything that I do then I'll know for sure that uh, the Magic Keyboard does make the iPad Pro uh, an enterprise device for me. So that's 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 my initial take. Mike, what do you think? Am I all wet? Uh, you know about this as much as I do or more. Well, my first question for you is, is it worth $350, which is 30% of the cost of a 12.9-inch iPad Pro? Is it worth that to you? I, I would say, given the fact that I just bought it, and I bought it as soon as I possibly could, that for me personally it is, uh, I would not rush out to buy it if I also had to upgrade to a new iPad. I mean, I'm glad, because the iPad I have is not the current iPad, it's the general, you know, the one that came out in, I think, late 2018. Um, yeah, I do think it's worth it. I do think it's worth it, especially if you have an iPad and you don't have another computer, if your iPad is your main computer. 
Uh, I was thinking about that because a, a former colleague of mine at the Providence Journal has an iPad, uses it all the time, also has a work uh, issued Windows machine that is a nightmare for her. And so something like this, where she's used to using her iPad at home with stories and things, uh, this would make her iPad a real machine that she could use in a way that the Windows machine wouldn't work. I, you know, it's going to depend person to person. Uh, 349 is a steep, uh, it, it's a steep, you know, barrier for a lot of people. 299 if you're getting a smaller keyboard for the smaller iPad. Um, for me, yeah, it's worth it, but I can understand why people would hesitate. Yeah, I was just going to... Um... Like I, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that, Ken, because you know you're an Apple guy, and it does, it is that accessory that people have been waiting for. It's the, it's, it's, a, it's part keyboard folio and it's part trackpad. It's all, it's the thing that we wanted for the iPad. My problem with it, beyond the fact that it's very expensive, and based on what I've seen from teardowns and from people. Added and including your your assessment right there, I don't think it's overpriced. I think it might be a tad un, over-engineered, but I think that the price is for what you're getting. It looks like a solid keyboard, way better than the keyboard folio. That might have been overpriced. This one, you know, with the back, like keyboard with the um, it's it's a it's a, a scissor mechanism, so it, it feels better to type. It has a nice trackpad, a nice large trackpad. It, it's 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 weighted. Um, from what I've seen, you can pull it off of the stand without the whole thing coming. And it, you know, it's they 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 designed it extremely well. My biggest problem with it is it's a trackpad for the iPad. That's it. They didn't change, and I'm I'm gonna assume iOS 14 will address some of those issues. But you were you were saying it yourself. There's muscle memory. The reason why there's muscle memory is because Apple has told us for 10 years or 12 years or however long it's been 10 years that this is a tablet touch device. All of a sudden, here's a trackpad, and we'll give you a cursor, and we'll write some flowery language about how that cursor is wonderful. It's a cursor. It's 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 basically capitulating and saying, you know, we do not know what to do with the iPad to make it more like a traditional work device. I'm sure they've tried. I'm sure they've engineered. I'm sure they've designed a bunch of things, but we're stuck with an iPad with a trackpad. And oh, by the way, it's 350 bucks. You guys both make a really good point, especially when considering the price. I mean, if you're going to, I assume if you already have an iPad Pro, especially like you can, this could be a great way to sort of transform it into a device that really can be practical for you to use, not just for work, but you know, in your everyday life. It has, it really is, like you said, Ken, perhaps pushing Apple firmly into the enterprise with the iPad. But I do wonder a little bit who the sort of target demographic of the keyboard is because it's really expensive to buy both right off the bat. And you could be better off just buying, you know, a MacBook um, or a MacBook Air for the same-ish price. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Who is the like perfect person to use this? I mean, Ken, I know you are. <laughs> well, it's not, yeah, right, of course. I, I, I'm not, uh, I, well, I'm sure I'm Apple's demographic, but uh, obviously someone who is already invested in the Apple ecosystem uh, perhaps somebody who likes to have uh, a device that's both for content. I always sort of got annoyed by the debate about content creation versus content, you know, consuming content, because you do that on any device anyway, you know. But the idea was that, oh, the iPad, as originally, uh, when, when it first came out, was more about content, you know, watching movies, 
listening to music, reading, you were consuming stuff more than creating stuff. Um, you know, I think that has shifted a lot. A lot of the apps on the iPad um, have been updated in a way that make them much more feature rich than they used to be. Um, I could, so I would say a, a creative, you know, a upscale creative person, uh, I could totally see someone, a college student, you know, who might want uh, the portability of an iPad or an iPad Pro because you don't, you can obviously take it off, you know, out of here. But I will say one thing, uh, just in terms of Mike's comment about over-engineered, it's really, really hard that, that the iPad is not coming out of the stand, which I think is actually really important because you kind of wonder, it is magnetic. Uh, you want to make sure that it's, you know, not going to fall out because you don't want to break your $1,200 iPad or whatever. Um, so yeah, it probably is over-engineered. I, I think Mike does make a very good point um, to shift gears just a bit about uh, using a trackpad versus touch because I mean, this, it, you know, this like the Surface is a bit of a Frankenstein device. Um, it started as, you know, total touch input, what, whenever it came out, 10 years ago almost now? 10, or, yeah, I think it was about 2010, Mike. You'll know that better than I, 2010? Yeah. Okay, um, you know, when it first started out, but this has evolved, you know, technology does evolve. And I'm glad if, if Mike, I mean, if Microsoft, God, if Apple is in some ways throwing in the towel on the touch, what I, which I don't think it is, but if they're acknowledging that, again, at least for a big device, unlike a phone, having your finger in the middle of the screen doing something, if you're going to be creating, you know, if you're editing something, um, maybe working with video, uh, having another option, you know, expands the pool of people who could find this, uh, could use this as their main device. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can totally see that. My, again, I'm just going to be the, the devil's advocate here. The Surface, I always saw as a laptop that happened to be a tablet, even though Microsoft didn't include the keyboard in the box, which always confounded me and charged extra for it. But it was like when they, when you saw the marketing images, when you saw people using it, when you saw the commercials, they were using it with the keyboard because it was a Windows PC that, oh, look, I can, I can detach it. I have the same issue, uh, not issue, I have the same feelings about the Pixel Slate, which is one of the first Chromebook um, convertibles, as well as some of the other ones that come out. They're laptops that you can also use as a tablet. The iPad is a tablet. Apple has been selling it as a tablet for 10 years. So now they're introducing this trackpad to it. So anyone who has an iPad, as you were saying before, your muscle memory, you use it as a tablet. Once you attach it to the keyboard, it becomes an inherently different device. And I don't think Apple's addressed what that device is because it's the same app, it's the same confusing multitasking. It's the same keyboard key, uh, like shortcuts that you might may, may or may not know or use. The, the, the trackpad doesn't really add anything other than it, it, it helps you keep your hands on the keyboard and doesn't bring them up to the, the, the display. So my question is, well, if, that, if you can do that, why have they been finding us all these years about a touchscreen map? What is the difference? It's the same concept. They're combining touch and trackpad without really addressing why one is better or one is worse than the other. And I, I understand, I'm not, I don't think that the, the, the magic keyboard is a bad thing. I think it's, it's, it's good that, that it's here. I think Apple needed to first show us iOS 14 show us where they're going with this kind of hybrid cursor touch environment 
which started with so iOS 13 split iPad OS and iPhone OS, and clearly they they have plans for it. We just haven't seen what they are yet, and I think that's where the confusion is. I don't think the Magic Keyboard is for anyone other than people like Ken who really want the latest thing, and there are a lot of people like that. And there's nothing wrong with it. They want the newest iPad or iPhone or Mac or whatever have you. And you're, it's not that you're a beta tester. From what I read, it's a, it's a well-designed, well-done product. It's just kind of right now purposeless. It brings a trackpad to the iPad, which they could have done five, eight, ten years ago because they didn't really address iOS and how that interacts with all that. And, you know, again, on the website, they say, oh, it's this magical cursor that changes when you hover and but that's on Apple TV, that's on the Mac. Like we've seen that before. It's, this is not some new thing. And, you know, you put a circle on the screen. Like this is not like, you know, innovative. It's, it's a cursor, man. We've seen this before. So what I want to see is where does iOS 14 bring us with this UI navigation and, and, and the, the, the whole environment? Fair enough. No, I, I... Oh, go ahead, Julius. I was going to pose a different question, Ken. So if you have something to add to that, go for it. I was just going to say real quick, uh, Mike, I, I think you very good, make a very good point. Um, it's, you know, is touch better than a trackpad? Yes, in some ways, no in others. I mean, I, I don't think there really is a, a right answer here. I think it really depends on what you're doing with the device. And I think this just sort of extends, uh, you know, the, the, the number of people, the, the, the universe of people that might be able to use an iPad. And they already have an iPad and they can do more with it now. I think a lot of it, as you say, really depends on where Apple goes with this because I don't think it has been a muddy message. You know, Apple's been, that said, I can't imagine a desktop Mac with a touch screen because again, for me, the, the whole thing about touching the screen that you're looking at, your hand is getting in the way of what you want to do, and that's—I guess—that's why I like the trackpad. I will know more about whether this is really sort of a laptop replacement um, after I spent more time with it. And again, it's been a couple of days. I've had a chance to sort of learn some of the shortcuts, see how it works. Um, but you know, too soon to tell. I, I think your points are, are all valid. I have a question for you: When you use it on the Magic Keyboard, which I, I hate that name, when you when you put it on the, on the stand. Do you still touch the screen? I'm trying to think rarely. I would hmm. say, you know, once in a blue moon, like if I'm like, and I think that's the muscle memory, I've got the thing in front of me. So I feel like I have to touch the screen until I get completely comfortable with the trackpad, but I don't need to touch the screen. I have not come across an app yet that did not behave in a way that I could use the trackpad or keyboard shortcut to accomplish whatever task I was doing. So I'm still touching it occasionally. I, I'll tell you one thing, the screen's a lot cleaner now than it was a week ago because I'm not touching it much. Fair enough. So I've got two questions for you guys. The first one is what would you hope to see in iOS 14 that maybe would completely, or the next iteration of the iPad OS that would completely make the magic keyboard, like it just totally makes sense. I wanna know like your must haves and then my second question, and I think you guys can sort of each take a side of this is, okay, in, I'm in an IT department and if we're looking at a new upgrade cycle. All of my employees right now have MacBooks. What could convince me to scrap the MacBooks and go to an iPad Pro 
or what shouldn't. So Ken, I wanna hear from you what should convince IT departments to go to the iPad Pro, and Mike, I wanna hear why you think they shouldn't. Ken, let's start with you. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, well, to take the second part of your question first, I think obviously that's gonna come down to price. Uh, you know, I, I, I presume if you're getting a top-end iPad Pro and the Magic Keyboard, you've already pushed yourself into, uh, you know, at least MacBook, you know, 13-inch MacBook Pro territory for starters. So I, I think it's going to depend on the company. If I've got somebody in the field and they need portability and can just, and, and let's say they use the, the tablet, the, the iPad as a tablet, um, then I think for them, it's going to be useful. And the keyboard is an add-on that, you know, if they're doing something in the field, they need to write a quick report from the, the truck out in the, wherever they're inspecting something. Uh, it would be useful to them. Uh, what was the first part of the question again? My first part was- Oh, the was, must haves, the must Yes, in iOS 14. Truly not sure yet. I, I'll tell you one thing that I want to see is a little bit better uh, visual cues so that when I'm using the trackpad and bouncing around the, you know, the home screen and the apps, as Mike says, it turns into a little circle. And, you know, when you, when you move, maneuver around, uh, things sort of expand and contract in ways that I'm not used to. I'd like to see something a little more, a little more visual cues here that tells me that if I'm tapping or clicking or rolling around with the trackpad, you know, what, what's going to happen. I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. That may just be because I'm new to it, you know, but I would, I would like to see something like that. Uh, but Mike, you probably have other thoughts about uh, IT departments and spending and also your must-have. I don't have any thoughts about IT departments, but I'll, I'll answer the question anyway. <laughs> um, I think that it's, I mean, I don't think the iPad is necessarily for that group. I don't think it's for, I don't think it's, it's really for businesses. It's, it, it never has been. I mean, like you say, so if you buy, even if you buy the cheapest iPad Pro and the cheapest Magic Keyboard, we're still more expensive than an iPad uh, to, than, than a MacBook Air. So why would like I, I don't I don't see a benefit of having an iPad over having a MacBook for work. I do not. I I'm a writer, so there's plenty that and, and you know as you you use your iPad for work, and there are plenty of things I can do on the iPad that I can that I can do on 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 the Mac. Like it, it wouldn't upset my workflow to use an iPad. I don't want to use one. I'm, I want a PC. I'm perfectly happy with throwing a laptop in my bag when I need to travel. And I, I just, I don't, I personally, I don't see the iPad as being an enterprise device at all. And I, um, you know, the expense that's there, I think it's a tool for creative professionals, whereas musicians, maybe movie studios, things like that, more so than I would see a, you know, a button down work environment saying, okay, we're, we're switching everybody to, to iPads right now. I just think, I think it's cost prohibitive. I think that there are, and I, you know, it's a, it's a very secure device, but I think there are limitations with remote management and the things that IT professionals would need to do. And there are things they just cannot do like Photoshop, for example, I use Photoshop on my Mac every day on the iPad. It is not anywhere near the level that I need it to be at. And I'm, I, I don't do much. I'm not looking to, to, you know, to, to create Hollywood uh, movie posters here. I do cropping and I do cutouts and I do, you know, fades and gradients and it's, it's a pain on the iPad. And there are a lot of apps like that. Logic Pro X was just updated for the Mac this week. Isn't on the iPad. Final Cut Pro X isn't on the iPad. It's a lot 
that the iPad cannot do. And also a lot of the apps that are on both are limited on the iPad. It's just the way it goes. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are some companies out there that, that uh, are all walking around with, with, with iPad Pros, but I don't think there's many of them. And I don't think the Magic Keyboard really changes that, that uh, conversation at all. Gotcha. Uh, you know, one quick question, Mike. Do you have, you have an iPad, right? I have a pretty old Pro. I have the one with the, with the, the, the first gen 12.9 inch with the keyboard folio that came out. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, going back to, you know, the, your use of uh, a laptop for all work purposes. So what, how do you distinguish between what makes you use the iPad if you use it at all? Maybe you don't use it anymore, but at some point you, you had both devices and were using them for different things, uh, presumably beyond just testing it for work or whatever. What use cases do you have for the iPad Pro? To be honest, uh, I gave it to my wife some time ago, so I don't really use it very often, but I, I do have a Pixel Slate, which is a basically the Chromebook version of the iPad. It's, it's, a, it's a detachable with the keyboard, and, and I use that often. I don't use it for work. I use it okay. for you know entertainment stuff. I use it for you know uh, casual things. So it, it sounds like basically for you, the, the use case is marital bliss. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's she she she. I'll I'll use her example because she does use it for work sometimes, and there are uh, more often than not, she'll say to me, "How do I do this? This isn't working." And I, my my answer is usually either you have to uh, force the desktop version of the website, or you have to go to your PC because this isn't tooled for the iPad. It's just it's the way it is. Apps aren't as 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 robust on the iPad as they are on, on a PC or a Mac. Some don't exist at all. Some websites don't. They they automatically default to mobile, even if you are using the the uh, the request de desktop site. But it's just not there yet. And a lot of it isn't necessarily Apple's fault. The tablet the tablet world, for lack of a better word, it never really took off because no one was able to compete. So it's Apple, a little bit of Chromebook, but very small. A little bit of Samsung, but even smaller and nothing. Amazon does not count. Those Kindles are fine, but they're not, they're, they're toys. They're for kids. They're for, you know, you, you, you read books and you watch movies. That's it. That's, that's your tablet. It's the iPad is the market. So why would you spend time developing something for iPad first or at all? If, you know, Apple sells what, 5 million a quarter? I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's plenty. It's a fine business. But it's not PCs, it's not Mac, and it's certainly not iPhone. So everything goes. So iPhone is the is the thing, and then there's an iPad version of the iPhone app, and now the Mac is getting involved, and you know we'll see where that ends up. I, I think you've actually just named your uh, must-haves to make this a success. It's basically a much more robust uh, app ecosystem, and you know full-featured apps for the iPad, you know in iOS 14 and the companies that are creating these things, the third party companies that are doing it. Uh, yeah, I think that makes sense. I, you know, I, I can't really argue with, I, I think you make really good points and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think that this is ever going to replace laptops. Hmm. I think this is sort of the, you know, side business, uh, to the Mac, to the Mac. Um, but it is interesting to see Apple, you know, finally, as you say, kind of throwing in the towel on touch, touch, touch. Uh, now, if they start coming up with uh, touchscreen Macs, I'm going to get worried, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon.
Uh, I mean, clearly, what we I should do. Go ahead. Uh, to 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 continue my iOS 14 list, the the main thing I want to see is when you attach that iPad to a keyboard. I don't know if the interface it, the interface necessarily needs to like physically change, but it needs to be a different experience than the touch. For example, I'll go back to the Pixel Slate, which I use daily, and I and I did not like it when I first got it. And I've, 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 I've grown to like, I actually bought one and I, I've, I've grown to like it as, as Google has, has fixed Chrome OS for the tablet. When you take it off the keyboard, it's a different experience. You get a different interface and you know where you are. Apps behave differently. You don't get the, um, the floating windows that you do on a desktop and they're two separate environments. I don't think Apple necessarily needs to do that. What they need to do is when you attach that keyboard, to, you attach the iPad to the keyboard, you're getting a, a different experience in the sense that navigation is different. Commands are different, shortcuts are different and they're natural and they're logical. And you know, you, you like, you know, when you sit down on a Mac, you don't need to study much to learn how to use it. You, you get it in a minute, 10 minutes. You know, if you're, if, you're, if you're not computer literate, maybe 15 minutes, it's easy. I have been using these damn multitasking gestures on the iPad for like three years and I still don't know them. Like, like, like I do with the Mac or the iPhone. It, they're, they're just not, they're, they're not natural. They're not functionally literate. And Apple really needs to look at that. Now that there's a trackpad, use it. Don't just say, well, we're going to put a cursor on, on iOS and, or iPadOS and that's it. It needs to embrace, embrace the magic keyboard and use that extra navigation on that extra input device to give the iPad another way to communicate and another another part of the, of, the, of 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 the UI and the UX to make it a, a a new device. That's what I always thought would happen when Apple, you know, the iPad, 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 as it was updating. At some point, I thought we would have a third device. Here's the Mac. Here's the iPad, and here's this new hybrid two-in-one, whatever you want to call it, device that isn't iOS, isn't macOS. It's something new and different and mind-blowing and Apple-like. And everyone says, oh, my God, why didn't we think of that? Instead, Apple just threw a trackpad on the, on the iPad and said, you know, we just give up. We don't know what to do either. Don't, don't you think that this is where we, exactly where we're going? We're just in the middle of it right now, that Apple is in the, in the process of creating that device? Uh, I don't know that it's going to be mind-blowing. But uh, I, I would love for it to be mind blowing, but I, I'd be surprised if it were. But I do think we're kind of in transition time right now between old iPad that we knew, third in-between device. And I, I think you make a really sharp point about the interface and changing it when the, when the keyboard is attached. And that's sort of, I think you, you, you said it much better than I did when I was talking about when I'm using the trackpad with the iPad, being able to understand what my actions are going to do depends on being able to figure out what's happening on the screen. And you're right, they're, they're shoehorning a, a trackpad interface and gestures onto an old, uh, an older iPad navigation system. And the two don't really mesh well, and they certainly don't mesh well intuitively. So it, I, you know, it's interesting, I think we came at that from different angles, but we're saying in, in many ways the same thing. Uh, clearly, we're gonna have to revisit this when you know, iOS is updated this year. And uh, an iPad OS is updated this year with, you know, well, and, and see if, if what Apple comes up with either takes us into that uh, uh, promised land or leaves us in a ditch somewhere. Fair enough. Yeah, and there's lots of rumors about 
arm based max. And, you know, I, there, as you said, maybe we're in a, transi a transition. I don't know if I would appreciate being charged $350 for a transitional accessory, but you know, Apple's Apple, but, um, yeah, Apple doesn't usually iterate in public and it very much feels like that's kind of what they're doing. They're floundering a bit with the iPad and the particularly the iPad pro and saying, all right, we, 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 we're, we're, we're a little stuck. We're going to give you guys this. Let's see if you can tell us how you use it and where we should go next. Fair enough. I would be remiss to not have you both on and speculate a little bit about what we're going to get and see from Apple for the rest of the year. I know they recently launched the iPhone SE, which we all thought if, I mean, certainly Mike and I thought we're going to be, was going to be called the iPhone nine. Um, and they're still continually launching products um, while we're all here staying at home. I'm curious to your thoughts, what we're going to see from Apple the rest of the year. And if how their supply chain has been, I mean, highly likely interrupted in some capacity, how that might affect launches. Uh, I can go first. I was just going to say, Mike, you should probably just go period because you're, you, you get your <laughs> finger on the pulse here better than, than I do. I, I will say this, I am expecting and hoping, uh, a 5G iPhone this fall. Uh, I, I'm also expecting it probably won't be here in September, uh, but if it's here in October, November, I think I can I can probably muddle through for a while longer while I'm waiting for it. But uh, I, Mike, you 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 can uh, you know weigh in there and 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 you know what do you think? Yeah, I mean the the 5G iPhone is 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 as certain as we're going to get right now. So rumors say most certainly 5G and also most certainly a little bit delayed. So probably October, late late October maybe, which is not out of the the, the realm of what Apple's done in the past. The um, uh, iPhone XR, 10R, whatever it was called, that launched in October. Uh, the iPhone 10 originally launched in November. So, you know, Apple sometimes delays things a little bit through to, through to production and through to uh, uh, issues like that, or just because they feel like it. So it wouldn't be that terrible if it launched, you know, around Halloween or whatever it is. But um, the, the latest iPhone rumors make it seem like a real tantalizing lineup this year. They're saying um, uh, the most recent rumors say the iPhone 12, which would be the low end device, is going to have a 5.4 inch OLED screen, which is a little bit smaller than the one now. It's 6.1 now. The iPhone 10 is 5.8. So it's a little bit smaller. It's kind of the size of the iPhone SE, like the device, but it would be all screen. That with 5G, the probably the quote unquote slower 5G, which is uh, to be technical, it's called sub six gigahertz. That's the one most people are gonna want because the faster one isn't really available in, in, in any real way yet. So that makes sense to me that Apple would, would leave that on a lower one and then add the, the faster uh, 5G on, on the higher models. But they're saying that that will cost $650, which is just mind-blowing. If, if, if there's an OLED iPhone with the A14 chip, they're also saying 128 gigs of storage for the low end, you know, the base now, and jumping from 64. With 5G, in a small form factor, they are going to sell a ton of those. So moving up, then there would be an iPhone 12 Max which I would very happy to see return. That's, that's the current size now, 6.1 inches, also OLED for 750. Then the iPhone 12 Pro would be 
6.1 inches as well with the slightly better screen, better cameras for the same $1,000 and then the max, which would be 6.7 inches for $1,100. Now, I've been reviewing Android phones, 5G Android phones for a while, and they all of them are more expensive than that. If those, are, if those prices are real, Apple is going to blow away 5G. Like people are going to say, well, why would I buy this $1,400 Galaxy Ultra when I can get it for $1099, I can get a, a, an iPhone that is basically the exact same phone, but cheaper. I mean, Apple hasn't had an iPhone cheaper than a Galaxy phone like ever. That was th that's Samsung's hook. That's Google's hook. Like we're we're giving you the highest end Android, but you're not paying Apple prices. That's what they've always kind of kind of had. They're not cheap, but they're cheaper. These would actually <laughs> Apple's entire lineup would be cheaper than basically anything that Android offers in the five G realm at the at the high end. Well, don't you think it makes sense if Apple's going to finally get into five G? I agree with you that it is. I Sure, I would love to see those that price line up, and I think, given the current economy, this is a good time to you know uh, do something like that. Uh, what that means, I guess, is that I'll be up again some lonely 3 a.m. Friday morning or whatever, ordering, trying to get in and order you know the 12 Pro Max, whatever the, the 10.99 one is, uh, like everybody else, and that just means more competition, but. You know, that might be the big wow. You know, everybody knows a 5G is coming, so let's kill it on price. Yeah, and you know, I everyone assumed, I assumed 5G means 150 to $200 premium on what was before, that's how it's been. The difference is Apple owns the chip, so Qualcomm doesn't have as much of a stranglehold over the pricing, so Apple can be real aggressive with 5G, and man, that's, uh, that's, that, that, that would just be awesome. Yeah. Uh, other things that Apple's working on is uh, AirPod Studio, which would be over-ear headphones, like 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 kind of like the, the the Beats Studio Wireless Three or whatever it is called. Um, probably in the three fifty range to take on the the, the higher end Sony and Bose headphones, which would be, you know, that would that that's a, it's it that that would be a good price point and a good product as well for Apple to have, since they're getting into audio again. Also, maybe a, a, a HomePod Mini has been floated as something that could come out, which that's also something that's sorely needed in the face of, um, you know, the Google homes and the, and the uh, Amazon echoes out there. And I'm sure there are other surprises along the way as well. We will definitely be talking about them. That's for sure. Well, thank you guys both so much for calling in and talking, you know, little magic keyboard, little debate, little Apple rumors, all good stuff. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. And always love talking with you. Really just like old times. See you soon. <laughs> thank you all so much for watching this episode of Today in Tech. If you liked this video, be sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. Hit the notification bell to be notified every time we post a new video. If you have any questions, comments about the new iPad Magic Keyboard, you really disagree with something Ken or Mike said, let us know below. Or maybe you do really agree. Whatever it is, let us know. Thanks again so much for watching and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.